0: Good away, good and dry, Dali, Krishna, Vaktai, Tad Vaktai in So <clears throat> for now welcome to all of you again thanks so much for your generous presence and attention to those connected online as well thanks so much for being there and today we are continuing with the topic that we started yesterday in connection with the main theme of radical personalism yesterday we talked about the notion of fully human fully divine I'm just making a brief recap for those who are not there, and for those who are there, especially <laughs> including me, uh, on the some of the points we shared yesterday in connection to how well, basically, radical personalism implies relating to everything and to everyone, beginning with ourselves, with our connection with the divine in personal terms we are people we are persons and there's no limit to how much of a person we can be there's no no limit to our personhood and so let's be generous with ourselves and when we think about ourselves as persons let's keep in mind that's something unlimited because again we as persons do not exist in a in an isolated Galaxy, so to say, where we orbit around ourselves, <laughs> but we are existed in we exist in connection to the unlimited. One of the names of Krishna, God in our tradition, is Ananta, basically, which means He who has no end, no beginning. By the way, no. So the unlimited one. So if our own constitution is intrinsically tied to the unlimited our prospect, our identity, our personhood in connection to the Supreme Person is unlimited. Mm-hmm. So let's be generous with ourselves by starting seeing ourselves in unlimited terms, in unlimited potential, unlimited prospect. Mm-hmm. At least it's it's. I think it's good news at least to, to get to know that that's the case, actually. <laughs> Even if we may not see that yet, but at least... Knowing that, oh yeah, that's my that's actually who I am and all that I can be and what's my potential. Generally, sometimes we we choose to see ourselves in very ungenerous ways, very limited, very suffocated, very conditioned to this and that. And that's me. And the days pass and I'm less and less and less and less and less. And, less. <laughs> and it starts to feel like, yeah, I'm drowning here. So so the spiritual knowledge, the mystical. Vision of the saints try always to (coughs) widen our horizons and and invite us to be generous with ourselves by themselves being generous with us. And through the generosity that comes from God, that comes from the enlightened beings, we can also learn to be generous with ourselves. This generosity is not the forms of like sense indulgence or like whatever, egocentricity, narcissistic self-centeredness i will be generous with myself and i'm just i love me and i'm only no i'm not saying that it's but I,
1: so. yeah i don't want Here. to
0: i don't want to hurt any local sensibilities <laughs> <laughs> i'm I'm all for generous self-generosity but just it's important that we get to to connect with that in the best possible in the most generous possible yes. way <laughs> yeah because yeah if, if at some point i'm just indulging in my own self as separated from others that's not very generous actually (laughs) it may feel nice for a while as we say yesterday we may have our dopamine peak here and there but at the end of the day it's still draining so it's important to yeah to be as 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 generous as we can with ourselves which is as God is being generous with us now as kind and loving his being with us allowing that glance to happen upon us that's happening but allowing ourselves to accept oh we are being looked upon with unlimited prospect in mind i mean the, the, the idea the plan that god has in his mind for each one of us it has no limits but again we have to allow that to happen we have to allow to see ourselves as an as part of an unending project so to say that's exciting to say the least. Not say, okay, I'm being part of a project which has no, no end, which is totally unending and, and deep in terms of depth, purpose, and meaning. Mm-hmm. That's basically inscribing my DNA, my potential is there. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, yesterday we talked about that and the importance of for that to happen, not neglecting our humanity in a pursuit of our spirituality don't embrace a form of spirituality that will be like fractured from our humanity and creating a fractured sense of being where, where where we start to think that humanity is something to be done away with but instead seeing our allowing ourselves to be fully human and full divine understanding I can only be full divine if I be if I'm fully human basically the two are completely connected with one another so i won't repeat my whole class from yesterday i'm just sharing a few words and today we are continuing with the topic we gave a brief trailer yesterday the topic of today is vulnerability and empowerment so it's quite connected that's for me at least a very important topic I, i made a whole chapter in my book about that The first chapter of the last part of the book is basically vulnerability and empowerment because uh, I feel that if we don't understand the importance of vulnerability, probably we won't understand that much after that, (laughs) basically. If we don't understand how vulnerable we are and how okay that is, probably we won't allow any further insects to come, which will be coming only if we have vulnerability as our ground, as our foundation. So the importance of understanding vulnerabilities completely tie with the idea of empowerment, encouragement, empowerment, inspiration, and so on. And all of us are looking for empowerment and inspiration and so on. But many of us are terrified about vulnerability or, or we don't appreciate that basically. It's, just, it's not a word in our vocabulary sometimes. It's like vulnerability, that's, that doesn't sound too pop, no? too popular. No? Vulnerability is not like fashion. Vulnerability, let's be vulnerable. <laughs> okay, how they say trendy? Trendy, they say? <laughs> trendy, Yeah. Probably will never be trendy, <laughs> at least not in, in in massive circles. In the circles of the mystical people, of the enlightened ones, that's the norm. That's a currency, basically. <laughs> you take that away, and so many other things are lost. So an important point to begin in this connection when we talked about vulnerability hmm, is that. As, as I mentioned in my book, vulnerability is, in one sense, not an option. It's not that I choose. Okay, I will do vulnerability today. It's in my control. It's in my decision. I we say, no, no, no. Actually, we, we are vulnerable by nature. We are vulnerability personified. <laughs> and we, what's in our control is to choose to acknowledge that or not as with many other things in life, our actual choice is to acknowledge what is, (laughs) not so much to choose that is or that is not. Many things are already there, but sometimes we are very expert in not seeing what's there and accepting reality. So vulnerability, again, is not a bad word. I'm just repeating that in case we have some some, some scars, some impression from the past that gets triggered, vulnerabilities. No, that's weakness that lends itself to abuse and so on. Not necessarily, we will talk about that. But the point is, again, we are vulnerability. In Sanskrit, we can refer to that with the term "tatasta." In our tradition, tatastha refers to each soul. And each soul is said to be, sometimes it's described as marginal. Not marginal like you're marginalized. No, but marginal in the sense that we are susceptible to be influenced by the environment very easily in any direction. I think we agree with that. I don't know. I won't ask you your personal stories life, Public confession is not the moment. <laughs> but we are very easily carried by one influence or another, which can be... Potential is a potential blessing if properly engaged with, or it can take us to very unfortunate corners as well. <laughs> so, in that sense, we are vulnerable. We are influential. Influencible. influencible Sorry, I'm training my English Definitely with you. It's a new it's word? Familiar. Okay. Great. <laughs> great. That's my intention yeah, also. Uh... How to create minimum one new word per place I'm visiting. <laughs>
1: Influential.
0: Okay. Yeah. No,
1: that's not,
0: yeah. You get the idea. That, that's important thing. <laughs> so that's an important point. Vulnerability is not an option. The option is acknowledging the facts or, or denying them, living in denial of something we are. So that's an important point to understand. We, it's not a choice we have. The choice we have is acknowledging who we are, Again, accepting ourselves basically. If we are vulnerability and I deny that I'm that, I'm basically denying to acknowledge who I am. Mm-hmm. So the option is acknowledging who I am. And for that, I need a proper understanding of vulnerability because if not, I will deny vulnerability and I will deny a crucial part of, of myself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So what's vulnerability, just to further define the term a little bit more, because sometimes, again, I may use a word, and each one of us may have, like, different ideas, and sometimes not the the most, like, hopeful ones. (laughs) But in this case, vulnerability could be related to three things, according to an expert on the topic. And she says vulnerability can be tied with emotional risk or emotional exposure. More concrete mm. uncertainty and risk. Mm. So, try to think about those three things no, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. That's vulnerability. Mm. And, in one sense, again, we constantly are in connection with many of these things no? uncertainty. I mean, we are not certain about everything. Hopefully, hopefully none of us think that's the case. And hopefully none of us think that needs to be the case. We'll talk tomorrow more about this. We will talk about knowing through unknowing. But an important point is spiritual life is not about certainty. I mean, we need some certainties. I'm not against certainty. (laughs) But we can also become certainty freaks, so to say. We want to be certain about everything, and that's too much. No, that's dangerous if we become too much attached that everything happens in a certain way, according to my sweet will, so to say, and I'm not willing to allow reality to unfold in any other different way than I have my own script. Well, that's that's a recipe for festival of misery, as a friend of mine says, festival of misery. <laughs> no, no. I want to be certain about everything. I want everything in advance to be predictable. I mean that's hell. I try to mind. I mean, sometimes we want that and we think if that doesn't happen like that, that's hell. But if that won't happen and everything fits into our plan and it's predictable, that becomes becomes its own hell. It's completely boring. Everything happens according to my plan. It's like I want some chaos here. No, (laughs) I want some uncertainty, some mystery, some unknowing, some unpredictability, because if not, start to become nervous because everything is too predictable. So it's important that we bear this in mind, because again, every day, sometimes we spend lots of time and energy worrying or even complaining about how things are not happening according to how we want. But we should realize if that will be the case, I will be complaining probably more If everything will fit into my scheme. So I have to stop contradicting myself in those sense, at least little by little. So uncertainty, again that's the daily issue. Even when, when we want to try to be certain about everything, if we are honest, the reality is we ignore more things than the ones we know. Just be honest. I mean we know some things, we are certain about things, but there's a whole realm of things and realities and ex- that are way beyond our control zone, comfort zone, knowledge zone. And we should learn to be okay with that. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. We should be comfortable coexisting with mystery and uncertainty and unknowing. <clears throat> but that's vulnerability again. To acknowledge that fact is, okay, I mean, I'm dealing with the infinite here. And I'm, I'm not the infinite, so, wow. The contracts create sound like, okay, I'm vulnerable. Hmm. Hmm. Emotional exposure, that's a daily affair also. Hmm. Again, sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that. No, no, that's not happening. I'm okay. But we are constantly being exposed, exposing ourselves, receiving the exposure of others in some degree or, or another. So, again, that's a daily affair of, of being vulnerable. And risk. Even if we don't want to take any risk, uh, especially if you w- don't want to take any risk, we are risking so much, you know? <laughs> somehow or other, by not taking that stance. But my point is, every time you have been in, in this any of these situations, that's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that happens on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Risk, emotional exposure, and uh, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And again, these three are not bad words. They are not insults. They are not words that we have to eliminate from our dictionary. No, no more risk. No more uncertainty. No more emotional exposure. What remains of us? We become like a rock, basically. Imagine yourself without these three elements. Yourself without any experience of risk. Yourself without any form of emotional exposure. My gosh. And yourself without... Any sense of uncertainty it's, it's it may be even difficult to imagine what's the result of that because it's that's so unnatural that's so different from who we actually are <laughs> so it's important to accept yeah that's who we are and, and that's not a problem again acknowledging our vulnerability is actually the beginning of so much blessing coming to us in fact to make this point clear in our particular tradition <clears throat> some of the main books or scriptures in our tradition that contain and share so much knowledge and wisdom, they begin, many of them, with very clear moments of vulnerability. Mm. Very clear to make the case of this has to be there for all this wisdom to, to manifest. First, you have to be willing to acknowledge, I'm vulnerable, I'm needy, I'm in need of help or I'm broken. I'm uncertain of certain things. I need help to give an example, you no? Know, Bhagavad Gita. That's that's the very beginning. We were talking with Bhakti some days ago, this symbol of Arjuna dropping the bow. He's the most powerful warrior in the whole universe. And <laughs> the on the our uh, in the and the arrow and the bow, sorry, represents, symbolizes symbolizes his khatrahood, so to say, you know, like I'm a man, I'm a warrior, my warrior khatra is like very a very male oriented situation, you know, like protecting and fighting. All that goes to the floor. And he goes to the floor after that <laughs> and cries like a baby, you no, know, completely broken. But allowing himself to go through that acknowledging i don't know what to do i'm completely bewildered i'm completely taken over by this situation emotional exposure for sure (laughs) Loss of risk he's feeling oh my gosh if we do this oh if uncertainty what will happen if this oh all he has all all the box checked in terms of vulnerability that's how the bhagavad-gita begins basically That's when Krishna starts to... Before that, Arjuna is kind of in representing us. It's not Arjuna. It's us in denial of that and trying to argue and more in the head space and why not to fight. But eventually, he he just brokens, breaks. And then Krishna says, okay, now I can talk. Before that, Krishna didn't say one word. If you see the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna... that, That part is Arjuna's sermon to Krishna, not vice versa. Arjuna, Arjuna is trying like, to preach and convince Krishna. Blah, 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 blah. Just all in the head, in the head. And, and Krishna like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not yet. Okay, continue.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And
0: okay, now I can say something. No? No? Now you are in a teachable moment. So to say, no? But it, it begins with that, Vulnerability. No? And acknowledging of that, only then blessing, instruction, wisdom can come and can be received, honored, hosted. And in another similar text from our tradition, we have in the Srimad Bhagavatam, probably even, even more important text in our tradition. The main, one of the main characters there is Parikshit Maharaj. Mm-hmm. And he begins, the whole story begins very vulnerable. His course cursed to die in seven days. So if there is something that makes people vulnerable, is death. Now, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Even if nothing else worked, and we we're like, hmm, no. Nah. Okay, you have seven days to live. <laughs> Let's say what, what happens there. No? So, and that's how it begins. The whole Bhagavatam basically begins, someone cursed to die in seven days. And not the, not only someone, but a very important personality, great figure in the world, loved, all, all the things that we may want, in one week, gone. <laughs> and he accepts that. Again, he embraces the curse, quote unquote curse, eventually it's a disguised blessing. Uh, and he disposes himself to go through whatever needs to be gone through in this transition to more, toward my next adventure, so to say. So Pariksimarashtra, embraces death, and the result of that embrace is what we call the Srimad Bhagavatam, this unique revelation where all the Lilas of Krishna and so many other things are described. But it all begins with vulnerability. And not only begins with that. It will continue. We'll reach that in in its very peak because it begins with the vulnerability of this king, but the high, the, the zenith of this text called the Bhagavatam, is krishna leela yesterday we talked about leela remember the idea of play divine play and how god plays ultimately he has no other business but but to play but in that play in that loving interaction with his intimate mm-hmm. ones, like we gave the example of the singapore president remember <laughs> <laughs> that he was totally forgotten i'm the president and he's totally immersed in intimate loving interaction with the grandchild so similarly, when, when Krishna is completely lost and found in intimate love, he's completely vulnerable in that moment. He's completely open. Love brings the greatest vulnerability. That's the paradox of love. Love gives the greatest empowerment, but also the greatest vulnerability. vulnerability. And, and then we start to see how the two work together. Vulnerability and empowerment. Vulnerability and empowerment. Because to be in need means to be in a very vulnerable moment and love fulfills all necessities (laughs) also love creates the greatest needs (laughs) when you love someone and this in one sense you are fulfilled but the very nature of love is that you can always love more so that becomes a necessity i can love more i can love you more so i need that i need to experience that so that's a big need. That's a big vulnerability. <laughs> and that comes from love, which is the most empowering of all things. So again, it's paradoxical. Love creates the greatest needs. Love fulfills all needs, but creates a higher level of need. But one of our teachers, Bhakti you know, Thakur, he will use the terms Atmaram and Pararam. So Atmaram means self-satisfied. So if you love, you're self-satisfied, but also you become part around, which means you are divinely or supremely dissatisfied. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, you can always love more. That's the nature of love. Love is not like, okay, I love you 100%. Sorry, I cannot kind of love you
1: 101%.
0: <laughs> you are wrong. That The nature of love is you can love 108% and 16,108% and 3,000,000. There's no end. It's an ever-expanding, evolving reality. So there's always place for growth and expansion. And that creates new needs. Again, that, that's how the Leela of Krishna, the divine play of Krishna, mm-hmm. unfolds on a daily basis. You know? We see all these pictures. These things happen on a daily basis in new ways. We, we hear, okay, in, in the spiritual world, we will be serving Radha and Krishna on a daily basis, and we, re- we read some descriptions of the daily schedule of God. That's very interesting information. <laughs> what God does on a daily basis. And sometimes it seems that we hear the descriptions and sometimes his eternal days is divided in eight parts. That's called Astagalia Lila. And we hear that in each one of those eight parts, he's doing apparently the same thing every day. So that may sound like boring. If, if we don't understand the nature of love, that may sound, I'm going to a place for eternity with every single day, the exact same thing will happen at every particular time of that day. Uh, the first days may be exciting, but then I don't know. I mean, it may be too much to do every single day the same. <laughs> so of course in time you will understand it's not exactly every, every single day the same, but also in terms of what's inner experience, it can never be the same because the nature of that place is love, and love is ever expanding. So, if you are with someone you love, you can be doing every single day the same thing, and it will never be the same thing because love is never the same thing. Externally, it's the same thing—the the external structure of the day—but the internal experience is ever new. One—that's the name—one of name of Krishna is eternally young eternally fresh eternally new so but again that eternally newness of love creates an eternally new possibility of further love and arrangements need to be done and that's why the servants are constantly making the different arrangements for Radha and Krishna to meet and they are dying in separation from one another that's a big need on a daily basis God is about to die (laughs) in separation from God. (laughs) We have Radha and Krishna, as I mentioned yesterday. God and God, technically speaking, in female-male form, but the two of them are God. And the unique dynamics of love creates that God God is in love with God. (laughs) And in that loving interaction between these unique two forms of God, one is so much in need of the other, One is about to die in separation from the other. Of course, they never die. There's always a happy end to the story, but that creates a need unto itself, a need for them to be united, a need for them to be supported. That's lila. Again, that's divine play. (laughs) So there's so much need. That's my point. So much vulnerability. If you read some of these very intimate, esoteric descriptions, Radha and Krishna are just on, on the... How to say fringe? No, on the fringe of death, like bordering because that's love. If you really love someone, you cannot survive without that person. Really speaking, if you really love someone, it's like <clears throat> okay. And of course, for us, and I won't enter too much into the details, but on top of that, we have this other another expression of the divine called Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and that's Krishna himself, reaching another level of necessity. And for that form of God is called, one of our teachers call him the golden volcano of divine love. So he's super volcanic, super empowered, and super vulnerable at the same time. So in brief, our idea is God is, as they say in English, the almighty, almighty they say, but also he's not only almighty, which means all powerful, but he's all vulnerable. And because of being all vulnerable, he can be almighty, all powerful. Again, two sides of the coin of, of love. So I'm sharing these words in terms of vulnerability again, trying to maybe deconstruct some false myths, like the ideas I mentioned. We can practice vulnerability. No, we are vulnerability. It's not the choice. I will practice, I will do vulnerability. No, we are vulnerable mm. by nature. Mm. And also trying to clarify this idea that some people may think, mm, our tradition has nothing to do with vulnerability. No, no, our tradition has all to do with vulnerability. It revolves around, as I mentioned, the Gita starts with that, the Bhagavatam starts with that. It reaches its scene it there. Gorlila is all about that. <laughs> so we should be all about that as well. Mm. So it's important that we do not equate vulnerability with weakness, because sometimes that's a great mistake we do. To be vulnerable, to acknowledge that is to be weak. So I have to, well, to show myself strong, despite I know I'm vulnerable, but I will as say here, fake it till you make it. But actually that's not the idea. Actually, as I mentioned in my book, Instead of fake it till you make it, better naked till you make it. Naked in terms of being open and being transparent and being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Enter in that place till you make it. <laughs> till you achieve whatever needs to be achieved. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so vulnerability has nothing to do with uh, weakness, has nothing to do with uh, coward- cowardice, you say in English? Mm-hmm. Cowardice? Yeah. Mm-hmm but it has all to do with strength hmm, and courageousness. Courageousness, Courage. Courage. <laughs> yeah. Courage. And that's an important point because, again, try to think all the moments in your life that you have to have gone through these stages of... Which were these three main aspects of vulnerability that we mentioned, can you recall? Emotional exposure. Emotional exposure. Risk Risk and uncertainty. uncertainty. So now you think about being courageous in your life, being brave, and think about moments in which you have been courageous or brave, but you in moments that you had not to be in uncertainty, emotional exposure, or risk. Try to think if there is any moment where, okay, I can be courageous without... Being uncertain. I can be courageous without emotional exposure. I can be courageous without any form of risk. Can you find some some form for that to happen? It's not possible. Generally, to be courageous, you are facing something that you feel, okay, there's a risk here. There is some, whatever, uncertainty, emotional exposure. So the point is, all these three are vulnerability. And to be courageous In other words, that's synonymous with vulnerability. That's not the opposite, but it's the same thing. And interestingly, the word courageous, the word encouragement, we were talking today in one podcast in the morning, the word encouragement includes the word courage. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Encouragement, encourage. To encourage someone is like to give courage to the person. Hmm? But remember, courage has to do with vulnerability. (laughs) There cannot be courage without vulnerability. So therefore, there cannot be encouragement with vulnerability. So actually, encouragement means invite the other person to be vulnerable. (laughs) That's actual encouragement. Encouragement doesn't mean you are so good. You are perfect. You are incredible. Everything you do is very nice. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Not flattery or whatever. That's not encouragement. Encouragement means... I'm giving you courage. And as we say, courage is non different from vulnerability. So encouragement means somehow be able to create a safe space for the other person to be vulnerable. And when the person is able to be vulnerable in a safe space, that we call encouragement because you will be filled, you will be empowered, you will be encouraged. (laughs) Encouragement happens in vulnerability. It doesn't happen in like superficial facade where the two of us are like showing off. I'm very strong. I'm very capable. I'm very, I'm okay. I'm also okay. Okay, we are super encouraging each other. That's not, there's nothing going on there. But when the two of us can really Mm -hmm. enter into a space, sacred space of vulnerability and we are acknowledged there is safe, a safe container here so we can like show ourselves as who we actually are and be accepted by the other person, be listened to with empathy, oh, that, that opens the door to empowerment. Real empowerment comes from being first vulnerable by being received by the other person in full vulnerability, by being heard, by being accepted. Try to think, I hope all of us had that experience at least some moment in our lives to really remember how was so empowering like we were showing ourselves who we were with all the messiness, with all the brokenness, with all the personified disaster that we may still be. <laughs> I am, at least I speak from my... And nonetheless, from the other place, we are receiving support, acceptance, listening, understanding, empathy. So that's encouraging. That's what we really call encouragement. Okay, I'm mean being accepted as we say yesterday, unconditionally. Mm-hmm. There are no conditions. I'm just trying to be as honest as I can. And I'm being fully received. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so much more encouraging that if I tell you, please be perfect in front of me. Only mm-hmm. then I will <laughs> love, only then will some we will love you and accept you. That's not encouraging. That's that's neurosis, basically. Huh? You enter into a character and you start to Lose yourself because I have to perform. So someone gives me attention and someone accepts. That's not encouragement. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in our tradition, we have a lot of this, uh, <clears throat> of this emphasis about let's be vulnerable with one another. Let's create sacred space. Let's take the time to hear each other. Let's not be so anxious to speak, to be heard. Now, let's also enter into the space of hearing. Hmm? That's so important. That shows so much where we are, how, how willing we are to, to prepare our heart to receive the other person. Hmm? For example, Rupa Goswami said, now, we have to <clears throat> reveal our minds in confidentiality, which means a very sacred, basically exchange of hearts. Now, let's give uh, each other the gift of Trust mm-hmm. where we can again be fully naked in terms of internally exposing ourselves and experience unconditional acceptance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's an epiphany unto itself. Now, if you are experiencing unconditional acceptance, that's like that can change your world in just one second, and that's why many. So I've talked with Baikun Tadev and some others, many many. I will say almost everyone that I talk to that have met someone, for example, like Srila Proud, but they will tell me, okay, just the first minute I, I received his, his glance, I was, that was it. <laughs> and of course, there are many ways to explain that, but one way will be you have one receives in that moment unconditional acceptance from someone who sees you for who you actually are beyond all, piercing all layers of stuff and conditioning and who you are not, The person reaches who you are and all that you can be, and immediately is accepting you unconditionally and seeing you for all that you can be in the most generous possible way. So, and maybe that's maybe one is not thinking in that way in that moment. We are one is just receiving that glance coming from that place, but that's just transforming in in one nanosecond, creating a new turn in one's life forever. So, so you can imagine how how crucial that can be in our timeline, so to say. Now, just one moment of unconditional acceptance. That's it. So we need so much to, not only to receive that, but to give that to others. That's actual, uh, how to say, generosity to other people. Because we can go to the street and try to speak and even convert people, although that's not my cup of tea, but... <laughs> But I will say the the main thing is try to give other people unconditional acceptance. That will be way more of an epiphany for them. Like if they are really heard, they are really accepted. Woo. Because almost nobody is experiencing that. So if someone can touch that, enter in touch with that, that's like, but again, that's vulnerability. One has to create the sacred space. So the person is can be vulnerable, not feel terrified about that, and feel oh. I'm being a little bit more, bo- little bit vulnerable. I'm being accepted. and probably they go back. Oh, it's, it was too much exposure, Oof. Oof. but it was okay. It was there was no abuse, there was no rejection. Next time, a little bit more vulnerable. Wow, it's working. Next time, a little bit more in sustainable installments, basically. <laughs> huh? Because again, I understand that vulnerability has to have some boundaries also. We cannot just like, without any discernment, discrimination, just be vulnerable to everyone and anyone, because not every person knows what to do with our vulnerability. It's not that everyone has a PhD in vulnerability. (laughs) So they may have good intention, but if they are not educated about dealing with such a... I mean, dealing with vulnerability means dealing with us in full rawness. No, in raw state, so that that's very delicate because we are like naked, raw, <laughs> and only someone who is very delicate and considerate, an expert can like deal with that and not harm us, not traumatize us. So we need to, yeah, we need to apply discernment and boundaries. As 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 an expert in this field, Brené Brown, she will say, vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability. It's abuse. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm sure probably most of us have gone through some form of that. Mm-hmm. So it's important that yeah, we learn the lesson. Vulnerability is not doesn't like discrimination. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> but we need at the end of the day, even if we discriminate and we may not find too many people around the world expert in dealing with vulnerability, we need to express that in some direction. We need to, again, be naked. Mm-hmm. Literally, there is one lila of Krishna, or this is depicted in those terms, which is the Bastra Harana lila, where Krishna steals the clothes of the gopis. Mm-hmm. I won't tell the whole story, that's too long, but they are in the in the water, in the Jamuna River, without clothes, and Krishna has taken all the clothes they left outside the river, and he's just on a tree waiting for them and like making some noise like here I am with all your clothes and if you want them back you have to come and pick them one by one. And they are in the water with the like this like no 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 give the give us our clothes back and Christians <laughs> you have to come pick them. That's that's the rule of the game. <laughs> and they go no they go one by one in, in a how do you say? In, line. in a line in a row and and krishna still is not satisfied because the gopis go out the 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 water and with one hand they cover their breasts the other hand they're covering their intimate parts and krishna wants to see the gopis fully naked and again try to follow the, the the symbolic meaning here he wants to see you fully naked fully vulnerable fully transparent fully not trying like to cover up parts okay I'm going to God God help and you're trying to cover up your embarrassing side your embarrassing parts I want to look nice to him I want to be like Paka. like God here I am I need all these but here I am very nice it's okay <laughs> don't look over there just I'm trying to cover so no. and Krishna said no 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 I want to see you I want to accept you I want you to be accepted by me as you are allow that to happen. So Krishna is telling the gopis who are covering thats a symbol there. You have offended the Jamuna but, but by baking, bathing na- their naked. So you have now to beg forgiveness to the Jamuna. Jamuna Devi by putting your two hands above your head like this and saying, oh, Jamuna Devi, please mm-hmm. forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> so Krishna knows how to get the whole thing with some And stuff in between, so and the gopis do it. No, the gopis are surrendered to him. Are willing, so they do that, and they show their full nakedness. That's the beauty. The beauty is in their nakedness. But again, do not limit your mind to a physical thing. No, but the real beauty is in inner nakedness because the, the bodies of the gopis are spiritual. So you cannot talk about physical nakedness. It's all in terms of spiritual reality so they are just showing spiritual beauty because of spiritual nakedness mm-hmm. and vulnerability has to do with that spiritual nakedness no i don't need to go in front of god and be someone i am not basically mm-hmm. i need to be pres- present myself in front of him and again, when I say present myself in front of him, remember, he's everywhere. <laughs> so it's not that, okay, I'm going in front of the altar, I'm presenting in front of you, and then I'm going to my bedroom. Uh, he's not He's not watching now here. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he's basically in every atom, so he's pretty much watching you everywhere, from your heart, from up, down, below. So many verses in the scripture mentioning that. So, But the point is, we are being watched by him always. And the being watched doesn't mean again, some police department that is like trying to catch us doing something. Okay, now get him. No, that as we talked yesterday, that's not God. <laughs> Don't project unresolved parental trauma from childhood onto poor Krishna. No, <laughs> he is not that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> He is looking at us, but with a gaze of unconditional love. No, that's the, the, the very idea of darshan. Sometimes we use the word darshan in our tradition in Sanskrit. Sometimes darshan is translated as seeing, you know, seeing God, having darshan. But actually, darshan mostly means being seen by God. So, when, for example, when some devotees go in front of the deities of Krishna, like here, and Krishna, the altar, okay, let's go and have darshan. Our teachers say, be careful which is the approach you have. It's not so much, I will go and see Krishna. Like you are the subject, and Krishna is the object of your vision. Like you still are in control. I will see him. <laughs> again, I will do vulnerability. No, no, Darshan means I will be seen by God. So I'll go and present my, again, he's everywhere. <laughs> But sometimes we don't have that vision so it begins by okay he's there in one particular spot in one corner of the room he's everywhere but sometimes we need to begin in one place <laughs> so okay let's go and have darkness i'll present myself in front of him so he sees me and how he's seeing me he's seeing me through the eye of unconditional love we have to remind ourselves i'm being seen by unconditional love, not in any other way. So I'm being fully accepted. Unconditional love means that. Mm -hmm. So I need to present myself from that place, fully naked, fully transparent, fully vulnerable, and being accepted by the divine glance of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Our God is addicted to mercy. Let's put it like that. (laughs) We have a God that is addicted to mercy. And, And this is not only our tradition. remember doing some some research for my book. I I found it. I I never heard that quote. I think I read it from one book of Richard Rohr. And he'll quote, I think it's Paul in the Bible. And it says something that the law was given to multiply the opportunities for failing. So that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So I'll say it again or translate it. Basically saying... In the scripture, there are many laws, and there are so many that the idea is that you will have many opportunities to fail. (laughs) And it was done in such a way by God, so you can fail a lot. So, where your fail is failing is abounding, his causeless mercy can abound even more. You follow my point? So that's your whole intention. I, I like that a lot. I'm like, okay, that's the whole intention be, be, behind all these rules and laws you have to do. Uh, uh, probably you will fail a lot, but that's what's God's intention, <laughs> that you totally fail and they're a disaster so he can be completely costless in his mercy. You don't deserve it, and that's, it, that's it. the great thing about that. It's not that you deserve it. It's like I love you, and I'm giving you unconditionally. And you're like, but I'm failing so much in all this. Yeah, that was the idea. You're, fa- you're a disaster and I love you like that. And it's so humbling. imagine you are in your worst moment and you are realizing God is loving me. Even in this moment, he's totally in solidarity with my journey. He's accompanying me at every single step, especially in those broken moments. He's more with me than ever before. No. And what did I do to deserve that? It's not about deserving. That's the problem. We go to that place very often. Like having to deserve, having to earn. And that's not how it works. That's not the logic of God. God is not very good in in math. No? (laughs) Like calculating. Okay, you did that. So you deserve that. So I will give you only... No, no, no. no. He's terrible at math. (laughs) So he's giving without discrimination. We don't deserve, and we have done, but still, oh, he's there. So that's darshan. That, I, sorry, saying so much to get to that point, but darshan means again: I'm not seeing God. I'm being, I'm presenting myself with full transparency and authenticity, and allowing myself to be seen through the eye of unconditional love. We have to allow that to happen. God, God cannot do that part from us. He's doing his part really well. <laughs> he he keeps an eye on us, but the the eye he keeps he, he keeps is on an, an eye of unconditional love. That eye never changes. It's not that at some point it's t- twist and that's conditional love, chastisement, anger, no no, unconditional love, unconditional patience, unconditional love. <clears throat> but we have to accept that. And that's not easy. That's very difficult. <laughs> That's so difficult because on many occasions we we want to deserve things or we think the system works like that. So we have to earn and deserve. So just to feel, to to conceive something that I am being loved in such a way that I will never deserve it. It's like impossible for us. We want to deserve something. And then, okay, you go to the realm of karma, action, reaction, you will deserve. But by deserving, you will be the loser. (laughs) The realm of mercy, costless, unconditional love, you will never deserve it. You will always need it, but you will never deserve it because it's too much. Mercy is always too much to be deserved. If you would try to deserve something, you are kind of devasing that thing. Like, I want to deserve that. That means that's not so high. <laughs> well, because when we speak about the highest thing, it cannot be deserved. Is so high, it cannot be deserved. But it's already given to us. That's how it happens. I will never deserve it, but that's already given to me. Wow. (laughs) That's humbling. That's a gift. That's a gift. And that speaks about the nature of the giver of the gift. Mm -hmm. And of course, if such a generosity is coming to us, it is suspected that those who acknowledge that will be able to extend that to others. That's part of the price of the deal. <laughs> it's not so much how nice, how Krishna is loving me unconditionally without me. This Yeah, but he's loving in the same way every other person. <laughs> so how you are relating to every other person, are you keeping that in mind? Are you keeping in mind how love is loving everyone unconditionally? Or, or, or do you only like the part that he loves you unconditionally? <laughs> I, you don't agree too much that he's loving everyone else. No, no, for the one, for the rest, I want justice. But for me, mercy, please, 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 please. <laughs> That's delicate, but sometimes we fall into that. Yeah. We pray for mercy, but when others are shown mercy, it's like, why am I giving mercy to such a rascal? I mean, he <laughs> didn't do anything. He deserves something else, and all, and all those words go in the either and return. No, like shh, the wind brings back to you the same thing. Uh, okay, it seems like mirroring. My, it's about me actually. The more I point to those who do not deserve, as they say, one finger is pointing to others, three fingers are pointing to me. <laughs> Every time I do like this, three it multiplied by three coming back to me. It's like okay, <laughs> so. <clears throat> so it's difficult you No, know, it's difficult to to accept that it's difficult to embrace that ourselves uh, because again it's difficult sometimes to be vulnerable we we are not fully like accustomed to remain in that place and to be loved like right? that and and that's natural in one sense natural by day by saying natural i mean that has happened. been happening for from time immemorial it's not only us who have that problem you know? Like, for example, if you pay attention to the Adam and Eve story in the Bible, I quote that in my book as well. That very nicely depicts that because in the beginning, as you know, Adam and Eve are there in the garden naked, going back to nakedness. (laughs) And they eventually taste the apple. And that has some form, somehow that represents self-awareness. They became conscious, I'm naked. I'm vulnerable. I'm potentially damageable. Maybe that doesn't exist again. I'm creating another word here. <laughs> so it is said say that immediately they they prepare themselves clothes, like a loincloth to cover their nakedness because they feel, oh, I'm naked. I may, be, I may be easily damaged. And then God appears into the scene and they hide. Hmm. So they are ashamed even of being in, in such condition, of being vulnerable in front of God. <laughs> and eventually they cannot deal with the situation at all because when God starts to talk to them, uh, the Adam starts to blame, to blame Eve. Like, she told me to to eat that apple. No, it was not me. Huh? So they, they start to play the victim, basically. And on top of that, then he blames God because he say, you. And you gave her to me. No? <laughs> she told me to buy the apple and you gave her to me. No? So at the end of the day, it's blaming God. <laughs> no. So that that's what we sometimes call victim consciousness. No, I'm not taking responsibility for me, but I'm playing the victim mm-hmm. because I'm not willing to be properly vulnerable. So even God falls into the into the trap, not, not the trap, but into the my own chastity. You why I'm such a poor person. And that's not vulnerability. Victim consciousness is kind of a distorted expression of proper vulnerability, a toxic version of it. And it's so easy to fall into that, to not take responsibility, to blame the environment, God included, uh, as a perfect excuse not to open ourselves, as we should. So, but we we should allow ourselves to be... to be vulnerable, we should allow ourselves to be, again, imperfect. Mm -hmm. That's part of of life. God's unconditional love includes imperfection. Again, that's unconditional love. It's not be perfect. Today I was talking with someone who was telling me that he had this idea, okay, uh, he was talking to me about someone else who had this idea, okay, I cannot be initiated yet because I need to be perfect first. And I was like, Wow, that's an interesting theory. Oh. <laughs> I need to be perfect before getting initiated. I thought it was exactly the opposite way around. Oh. I need to get initiated so that helps me to be- become perfect. And on top of that, you can never become perfect because you can always become more perfect. There's no end to perfection. <laughs> but it all begins with accepting your imperfection. That's how perfection begins. You know? Like normalizing failure. So to say, many times instead of normalizing failure, we have traumatized failure. Now, if you made this mistake, oh, you are kicked out of heaven, Krishna doesn't like you, you are labeled forever like this, and you create this type of okay, oh, failure, 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 traumatizing instead of normalizing. Instead of understanding that there is some even potential charm in, in imperfections, if there is unconditional love, there will be a charming imperfection. Like, like we always say, like, like a boy will bring a drawing to her mother four years, and technically speaking, the drawing is a disaster mm. in terms of aesthetics, professional aesthetics. That doesn't fit well with a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> it's imperfect in one sense, but in another sense, the mother will watch, would see that, and she would start to crack. Basically, so she's her own love for her child is is, is going beyond the imperfection and the, the very imperfect quote unquote vehicle is igniting her all the things. So my point is, when there is unconditional love, there even imperfection is a stimulant. It's a udipana in Sanskrit. It's like something that will trigger further unconditional love. With this, I'm not saying make. Being perfect on purpose, so Krishna will love you more. I'm not saying that, (laughs) but I'm saying there is a place for for being loved despite our imperfection. I'm I'm not falling into this uh, false myth I have to be perfect in order to be loved. It doesn't work like that. Sorry that I'm repeating the same thing probably 108 times, but maybe we heard the opposite of that many more times. No. Because that's the message in today's world, basically. In this world, in this, in the media, is like, only if you're perfect, you are worthy. Only if you're perfect, you're lovable. Only if you're perfect, you're accepted. And without saying that, they will say, we know nobody's perfect, so fake that you're perfect. No. So you are accepted. So we are receiving that indoctrination from every single direction. (laughs) So we need to deconstruct that somehow or other to understand I don't need to enter into that exhausting trip, no? Like I need to be perfect. If I'm not perfect, I need to show myself as I, if I am perfect, that's even more exhausting. (laughs) Trying to be perfect, that's exhausting, but not being perfect, I'm faking it constantly. Wow, that's (laughs) like... (laughs) and at one point the the danger is that you put the mask of so-called perfection and at one point you forget that that's a mask and the mask is not leaving you you like this movie called The Mask I don't know if you watched that but at one point the guy puts the mask and takes it out puts the mask, mask, takes it out and at one point the mask is not going out it merged with the Identity of the person, so you became the mask. <laughs> so we don't want that. Actually, spiritual practice is all about realizing the masks. There's not only one. <laughs> no. So what to speak of creating further masks and putting them forever, but True. just dropping out the mask. Understanding, I don't need the mask. I don't need unconditional love. Doesn't require mask. On the contrary, it requires drop drop off all the masks. And understand you are being loved not because of the mask, but because of the masket, the one who is caught the fire. God is finding something lovable in you. And we may be still struggling with that. How can you find something lovable in me? There's nothing. And we may be trying to convince Krishna, <laughs> you shouldn't be loving me. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> and Krishna is like, oh my gosh, how can you be so... Self-loathing yourself in this way. No, it's like we, we are trying to convince Krishna there's nothing lovable in me. So better you look somewhere else. <laughs> and Krishna is Krishna, so that's our hope. He continues insisting. He has hope that will. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so we need to be vulnerable. That's important. We need to, to get accustomed to remain in that place and understand there's beauty and vulnerability, there is charm we don't need to play superheroes superman super anything you know we are not here to be devotional superheroes we are here to be devotional human beings you know, begin by being a human being then we talk we can't talk about superhero status that's not don't try to impress God I mean that's a joke I mean imagine, I'll try to impress Krishna be vulnerable that, that's that's enough for the day. <laughs> Don't try to be Superman. That's, that's boring to be a superhero, to be too perfect. No, I always quote this, you are in America, so you know this super Superman character. The comic decades ago, I don't know where it began, probably a century ago, a Superman comic. And they, what happened with Superman in the comic was that the first year Superman was honoring his name, Superman, which means completely invulnerable. We are talking about vulnerability here. Superman was the exact opposite of that. (laughs) He was such a Superman that nothing could kill him. Nothing, nothing could harm him. He was perfect, defeating everyone. Everything worked perfect. So what happened after a few months, in the beginning, everyone was excited, the new comic, like when anything new comes, you are inspired with that, (laughs) just because it's new. But after a few months, Superman was so perfect, that people start to get bored about that. He's too perfect. He's too invulnerable. He's too unrelatable. We don't find any point of reference with such a guy. He's too perfect. We are not that. We are not interested in that story. So all the sales of the comics start to drop off. So the guys were like, what to do now? And, And they said, yeah, let's make him vulnerable. How they call it, kryptonite? Yeah. Kryptonite. Oh, he can be killed, but he can be weakened. But and what happened? Oh, all the sales went up again. And people like, oh, we 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 relate to that story. Yeah. No, he's weak, he's vulnerable, he can be harmed, killed, he's one of us on some level. Again, he's still Superman. <laughs> still Superman. But on some level, there's some level of relatability. Because if not, there were there was no relatability. So I'm not interested in that. But the problem is sometimes we try to play Superman (laughs) ourselves, even in the name of spirituality. I have to be perfect. I have to show myself like that. I have to be vulnerable. And it's like, no, no, it was exactly the other way around. You have to be vulnerable. And again, as I mentioned in the beginning, vulnerability will play itself out in eternity in God's life himself on a daily basis, rather than Krishna dying in separation from each other. And we will be needed to be there to empathize with their vulnerability and to save their lives on a daily basis. Imagine such a prospect. Wow. But my point is, you will never get there (laughs) if you are not training in vulnerability yourself here and now. So whatever we want to attain in eternity, if in eternity there is is full vulnerability, I have to start practicing vulnerability here and now because if I'm... 5% 5% vulnerable here embracing that I won't be able to reach the place which is 180% vulnerable. So it all begins here now as sadhakas, our practitioners. So anyhow, some words I want to share today in connection to to the idea of vulnerability, to the idea of the power in vulnerability. Again, don't forget this part. Vulnerability is not just merely being naked, being, but being filled, accepted, loved, and conditionally heard, mm-hmm. supported. Mm-hmm. So there is empowerment. The only empowerment, the, the real empowerment we need comes from, from vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, this, this is kind of a little brief summary of what I've shared, and that's, I think, chapter eight of my book called Vulnerability and Empowerment. So I don't know if there are any, something you would like to ask about before we conclude today. Some questions, comments? Yeah, continue.
1: So, I understand the concept in the spiritual context. But in this world, in this environment, if I go out and I'm just openly vulnerable to everybody, mm-hmm. people will exploit me, they will harm me. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> And especially in this culture, vulnerability is seen as weakness to mm-hmm. be exploited. Mm-hmm. And it's um, people, especially in business, different fields of activity, you know, um, vulnerability is not considered a quality that is respected in this society. Mm-hmm so how do we uh, it's not reconcile but how do we choose how to be when to be vulnerable yeah. and when to keep ourselves safe mhm because mhm yeah there is danger there. yeah
0: yeah that's yeah that's why i mentioned before like vulnerability without boundaries is not vulnerability I am not promoting here, open the door and go to whomever you meet and like be fully naked and showing. no, because they don't know what to do with that. As you mentioned, maybe they don't even, not only they don't know what to do, but they don't appreciate that probably. They'll say like, come on, what are you doing? Be a man. no, <laughs> Or be strong. Or again, some circles of so much competition. No, no vulnerability here, guys. Here we are to attain stuff and they have their own way of so so again yeah we have to know where to express that in front of whom to express that uh, because if we do that without discrimination that can end end up in very abusive scenarios basically yeah so so yeah i, I try to make that point this is it's very important to exp- acknowledge our vulnerability at least to ourselves in connection to god always i'm always reminded of the very the 12 steps program mm-hmm. and the first one is all about vulnerability just begin by acknowledging our powerlessness of in relation to whatever addiction we may have and how this is way beyond my control i'm powerless that's vulnerability basically <laughs> and only then we can speak about step two three four twelve First one is, be vulnerable. If not, <laughs> we kind of progress here. But again, you need to do it in a certain circle with certain people, at least one person, because I'm not here saying, ah, go to everyone, they will know what to do with your vulnerability. Probably not, as you mentioned. We are in, in a world and society where that's not very popular. That's what I say at the beginning. Vulnerability is not very uh, trendy, as I said. <laughs> But we need to express that to someone, at least when we are, have awakened to the fact that, okay, vulnerability is not weakness. We will have just not bad. I need to express that word to express that. So that's what we call sadhu sangha. That's what we call like a, an intimate circle of kindred spirits. Hmm? Yeah. And maybe that circle can be one more person. Sometimes it doesn't need to be like 300, 10, 5, one and even if there's no one at least okay god is in my heart that's the one i have someone else always available just in case emergency case no and if for some reasons i would say we have to 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 deal with other social dynamics in which vulnerability is not that popular (laughs) let's put it like that to begin with that's our choice let's take responsibility for that let's not like oh but i want to be vulnerable but they are not appreciating that so i'm yeah but you are choosing to be in that particular circle no. which is okay but let's take responsibility for that and and yeah if they do not value that you cannot force that but you have to understand why they are not valuing that it's important to get a bigger picture as i mentioned yesterday in one reply of understanding why they are not appreciating that and and somehow appreciating their lack of appreciation, so to say, <laughs> understanding them, being compassionate, getting as closer as you can in terms of vulnerability with someone that cannot still pre- process that, but still finding our people and circle to be fully vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that, that may take time, but... That's important. That's so grounding, so sobering. If you, if you, if we are not able to be fully vulnerable to anyone, okay, that may speak about the lack of qualified people. But sometimes it may speak about how willing we are to also do that. <laughs> oh, it's it's important too. I will say, if we are ready to do that, the people will come. Krishna will make the arrangements podcast this morning when Daniel was speaking she she was quoting someone else but whoever she was quoting said that the people that you could fully trust me vulnerable to should fit on a one inch she quoted Brene Brown again Brene Brown, oh, Brene Brown. yeah, yeah. Brene uh, Brene. Uh, so that, yeah that was that was really lovely but yeah so it isn't just that like you say we don't just don't splat out everywhere it's it's conceited. yeah uh, yeah because also to be vulnerable with someone it's not just like a one act performance so to say okay like, i will be vulnerable with you in the next five minutes and that's it that was my vulnerability in this lifetime thank you it, it helped no generally it's like a, a gradual unfolding that takes time and 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 it is it's a gradual takes time means not only days and weeks but years and lifetimes so you cannot do that with too many people because you don't have time to do that I mean you have 24 hours per day so and that takes time in itself so you will be doing that with a few people that really know you like from tip to toe and you develop that with other people you you will be as as vulnerable as you can but fully in depth again maybe you will be like a few fingers of one, one hand which is okay again as, because as Daniel said if you try like to do that like in massive levels is kind of a you're we are back in impersonalism again because you cannot be too specific with five thousand people. I have five thousand friends in Facebook, whatever that friendship means. <laughs> and uh, but I, I like to be vulnerable with all with all of them, but in terms of practical reality, I don't have time to. do that. <laughs> But but of course, of course, we try to relate to each other in the best possible way. But the process and the unfolding and the sharing and the hearing and the receiving and the back and forth, again, that takes time. So we, we will have our few people in our life, to do, we will do that in, in that level. And hopefully everyone finds someone so everyone can be engaged in that particular exercise.
1: Yeah. It's also, <clears throat> excuse me, it's also a sacred exchange. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not going to be abroad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's going to be very focused, yeah, and very personal, yeah, and very sacred.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's an exchange that takes place, and both hearts are then opened, yeah, and yeah. it can become, yeah. you know, <clears throat> you know, I sit circle with a group of men, mm-hmm. and you know, people are always shocked when they come as guests because there's say, I never seen men expose themselves and be mm-hmm. so open and vulnerable mm-hmm. and it shocks people yeah and but it also moves them usually because people especially men men are the, the hardest nuts to crack mm-hmm. women have a natural uh, way to share with each other that men just huh, they don't do it mm-hmm. so um, when a man has <clears throat> deep work to do, mm-hmm. he really exposes himself. It usually moves every everybody yeah. in the circle. Yeah. And, and you know, guy, I can own that. I can own that. He can mm-hmm. share. I never reveal that to anybody. Yeah. But yeah, he did my work for me. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen mm-hmm. over and over. It's like popcorn.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, talk, we talked some days ago that how vulnerability is of such nature that someone is really vulnerable, generally everyone else is becomes vulnerable again also because it, that's the power of vulnerability. Right. Because if, if you are not vulnerable yourself, you won't be able to tolerate that. You have to run away or something or jump from the window. But if, if you want to remain in that place of vulnerability, you have to be vulnerable yourself. Now, that's the idea, of course. No, that There is someone expressing genuine vulnerability that will become like contagious. No? Yeah. Because that's the only way. If I'm vulnerable with you fully, for you to hear me and reciprocate me, you have to be vulnerable yourself. You cannot just like I will hear you from a non-vulnerable place and totally accept your vulnerability. That's doesn't compete.
1: <laughs> we also have a, a group called Boys to Men. Mm-hmm. It's not the boy band. It's it's a mentoring organization. We go and we sit, we usually take the most troubled students in the school. And you know, we have ground rules and we have safety, and everything is confidential, mm-hmm. nothing leaves the room. Not even the principal's gonna hear about this. <clears throat> but the way that we the mentors and what we call the journeymen, who are the boys that have sat in these circles. And have done the program and have grown. They share first mm-hmm. their vulnerability, and then when they see us share, it gives them permission mm-hmm. to open. Mm-hmm. And it only takes one to really start. But you, you know, boys, especially teenage boys, they're all about. I gotta prove myself. I'm tough. And yeah, you know, and you know, in prisons, and hmm. dealing with gangs and hmm. drugs, hmm. And all these things hmm. that are sign assi- you know, an initiation. You've got to go kill somebody. you got to do something mm-hmm. really intense. They're tough nuts to crack. Mm-hmm. The only way we can crack them is through our own vulnerability mm-hmm. and say, here's what I did. Mm-hmm. And here's how I suffered mm-hmm. because of that yeah. choice, I and gradually, it's like popcorn. Mm. It takes the whole school year, Yeah. but it's worth it. Yeah. So, thank you. Extends all the way up to God. Yeah.
0: He himself is doing that better than all of us. So. What's that? He himself is doing. He's being vulnerable, as setting the example for the rest of us. So that's that's the point. If the senior most. <laughs> speaking about seniors giving permission to juniors okay the senior most couple (laughs) they'll be fully vulnerable so they are setting the tone for the rest of creation so to say that this is all about that so yeah i appreciate yeah something else before concluding okay we'll stop here and continue ruminating and tomorrow We'll conclude in the morning. We'll have one last minute meeting for those who are able to come. 11 a.m. We'll be talking about knowing through unknowing. So we mentioned today a little bit about uncertainty. That's one phase of vulnerability. So we'll go there and explore further what does it mean to know through unknowing. As counterintuitive as that may sound, generally the main insights of our lives come from a counterintuitive place, basically. <laughs> So thank you so much, Sri see Bhagavad Gita Ki Jai, Sri Man Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktavaranda Ki Jai, Gaur Paramananda Hari 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 Gaur.